0: for By Grace Alone, a ministry of the Antioch Presbyterian Church in Goldsboro. And now, Pastor Kelly Buffalo. Good evening and welcome to By Grace Alone and I'm Pastor Kelly Buffalo from Antioch Presbyterian Church and we're located in the Rosewood area of Goldsboro and we'd love to have you come out. Our services are typically at 1050 a.m. or 10 to 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sunday night. We're located 2306 Old Smithfield Road and we'd love to have you come out and visit with us and come meet. We have a lot of uh, wonderful godly folks and love to meet you. Let's go ahead then, we are looking here at John chapter 3 here tonight, John chapter 3 verses 1 through 15, and we are considering the new birth, the new birth, and the call, the command, the very statement of the Lord Jesus Christ about the new birth. Now, as we begin this, let me tell you that in January 1981, I was 20 years of age, so that seemed like a million years ago, but I was 20 years old. At that time, I was searching for God, and I was doing so for for several years, but I wasn't able to find Him. I was on a, a search that seemed to be impossible for me, but I came to the point, really, of finally just giving up and not even bother trying to find God anymore. However, I went to a a little service that was held inside of a, a little bookstore, and they had an evangelist there who was there for the evening and for the first time in my life. The first time in all those 20 years, I heard who Christ was and why He came. That night, I repented of my sins. I believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of my soul. I was born again by the Spirit of God my life would change completely. I had new direction in my life. All of my seeking, my searching was satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ. All the new direction. I soon met the woman who had become my wife, and we are married still today, and a great blessing in my life as well. My rebellious heart was changed in an instant, in a moment, by the Lord Jesus Christ by His Holy Spirit I was born anew, I was born again, reborn if you will, who I was before had died and passed away and now I am alive, I was alive in Christ and I'm still alive in Christ and now I know And then, even then, I knew that there was a fire of the Spirit within my heart, even as there is a fire of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I no longer fear death. I'm not afraid of what might come. I'm not afraid of of the fires and the smokes and the earthquakes and the tornadoes, because I know that God is almighty. God is sovereign over all things, even the new birth, even the new birth. I no longer fear what man might do unto me because Christ gave my life a new meaning and He gives new life." So now we have before us the very doctrine of the new birth, and it's very important doctrine, one that we must understand It is a doctrine that has been belittled today, but we must hold up the doctrine of the new birth, the teaching of the new birth straight from the very mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, and that which is born of the spirit of spirit do not marvel that i said to you you must be born again the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sounds but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit nicodemus said to him how can these things be jesus answered him so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life, and may God bless the reading of his word to each heart. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. We do pray for greater understanding, O oh, Lord, grant it by your Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here before our text, we have chapter 2, and there in verses 23 and 25, and we see that, that Christ has actually expressed that He knows the hearts of all men. He knows the hearts of every human being. He knows my heart. He knows your heart. And here in our text, He knows the heart of a certain Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. Now, I do want to cover three things particularly here this evening First of all, we all want to look at the necessity of the new birth. Second, the cause of the new birth. And finally, the means of the new birth. And we will see that except a person is born again, there is no hope of eternal life, only certain condemnation. One must be born again. Let's look at those verses again. Verses 1 and 3, here we see the necessity of the new birth. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, saying, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Man is not able to to see. Man cannot see the kingdom of God. We're talking about an inability, man's sinful nature. He is unable, he is unwilling, he cannot see, he cannot go into, he cannot inherit the kingdom of God. He must have this new birth that Jesus is speaking of. He must be born again. Now, hear the word in verse 3, when Jesus said, I say to you, unless one is born again or born from above, He cannot see the kingdom of God. This is the Greek word dunatai, meaning, speaking of ability, he cannot. He is not able to. He doesn't have the power to see the kingdom of God, not in himself. He is powerless to do so because he is spiritually dead. He has no ability because of his spiritual death. He has no ability to make himself alive. He cannot go to a corpse and say, corpse, be alive again. The corpse can't do anything. The corpse will lay there and rot. Only the Spirit of God, only God can come and breathe new life into the dead body. And likewise, those who are spiritually dead need the Holy Spirit to come and breathe new life into them, that they might have new birth. They may be born again, regenerated, new birth by the Spirit of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul told them that before God came, they were... Dead in trespasses and sins. Before the Spirit of God came, they were dead in trespasses and sins. They were objects of God's wrath. They were considered the very enemies of God. They were separate from God, separate from Christ, excluded from Israel. And they were foreigners to the very covenant of the promise. They were without hope and they were without God. In other words, they were cut off from God. They were separate. From God because of their sin. They are dead in sin and trespasses. Paul then describes what they had become, and they had become fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Paul has given us in Ephesians 2 a picture of one who has been born again. They have been transferred from the kingdom of Satan, from the kingdom of the world and of darkness into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the kingdom of the Son of God, transferred into his kingdom by a new birth and a faith in Christ. We need the new birth because of our spiritual condition. We are fallen in Adam. We all died with Adam and Eve back in the garden, back in Genesis chapter 3, when they ate of the forbidden fruit, when God told them, don't eat from this, for the day when you eat from this, you will die and they inherited physical death, and they inherit sp- they're spiritually, they're dead, instantly. And like manner, they are our federal representatives. They stood in our place. Adam was our federal head, our covenant head before God. And so we sinned with Adam when Adam sinned before God. He represented all of us in the garden. Now is that fair? Well, let's talk about that. Who would be a better representative? Uh, for us other than Adam was. He was the perfect human being. He was created in the image of God and righteousness, holiness, and truth. He had not sinned. He was sinless. If you and I were there, if we had been in the garden and we saw the second that God said, don't eat from that tree, you and I would have been all over that tree. We would have had every fruit stripped off that thing. But Adam had not had sin at that point, not until he ate of the tree, and He gave in to temptation. He dies spiritually instantly, and He inherits physical death instantly as well, of which we all participate in that even now. As Adam was our federal head Even Christ becomes our federal head by faith. He becomes our covenant representative before Almighty God. If you don't like Adam being your representative in the Garden of Eden, and you don't like him being your federal head, then Christ cannot be your federal head either, because he is the second Adam, where Adam failed in the Garden. In disobedience, Christ succeeded. Perfectly sinless, perfect righteousness. He is our federal head as we have faith in Him, as we are born again by the Spirit of God, Christ the second Adam, sinless, perfect, never gave in the temptation. He never sinned, and He remains sinless, and He is the perfect substitute. He is our perfect federal head, the perfect substitute to die for sinful man on a cross. Adam couldn't do it. You couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. Only the sinless, spotless Son of God could do it. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were corrupted in all of their being. Their totally, their whole nature of who they are, their being itself, they were corrupted and fouled in sin. It doesn't mean they're as evil as they can possibly be, but their whole being has been touched and tainted and stained by sin. Much like if you were to take a glass of water and, and take one drop of red food coloring and immediately it disperses throughout the whole. And we see the same thing. and We are polluted and corrupt in our being, even as Adam and Eve were corrupt in all of theirs because of their sin. This is what we inherited from them, this corruption. Here we have our, the sinful flesh, the temptations of the flesh, our fallenness. We inherit this from Adam. And so we have this original sin and we have actual sin that we transgress in word, thought, and deed day by day. So thus Adam and Eve, they were and we are are totally depraved and corrupted by sin. Now according to Isaiah 59 verse 2, our sins has is if we were, our sins have separated us from God. And if we are not born again, a separation will be eternal. If we are not born again, the separation remains. We must be born again. Christ will separate the sheep from the goats. Those who have been born again from those who remain in their rebellion, those will be cast into eternal punishment where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We must be born again. We need the new birth because we reject the truth. We reject God Himself. We reject Christ Himself, even though we know that He lives. It is a natural, fallen, sinful state. Of man, enemies of Christ, enemies of the cross, enemies of God. We need a new birth. Paul, in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, describes some of this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. It goes on, verse 25, but they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. Verse 28, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do that, to do what ought not to be done. And then in verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. They even approve of others who are committing the same sins, and they probably even rejoice in that corruption together. So we see the need for the new birth very strong, very real. And there is a rejection of the truth, even though the word of God is clear, that even the creation itself is enough to let you know that God is, God exists, and that the word of God is His word, and that Christ is the only Savior, the only Redeemer for mankind, the only Savior from sin. Man knows that they reject the truth and unrighteousness, we need the new birth because God is holy, God is just. So yes, God is loving, but He is holy. And as a holy God, He must judge sin, and He will judge sin. You now, apart from the new birth, apart from being born again, we will bear the wrath of God. So consider what it will be like to stand before a holy God knowing that your judgment is certain. Imagine the terror that will fill your heart if you're standing before a holy God condemned in your sin without a substitute, without a Savior because you've rejected the only Savior from sin and death and damnation. Imagine the terror that will fill the heart and the dread that will be there. Have you been born again. Have you been born from above? Because Jesus says, you must be born again. And yes, it is by the Spirit of God. But how does this happen? Let's consider, secondly, the cause of the new birth. Look at verses 4 through 8. Nicodemus says, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear a sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Uh, Notice here, first of all, that Nicodemus took a very uh, literal understanding of Jesus' words. He should have been a little bit more spiritually astute. The new birth was unexpected to Nicodemus. It was unexpected, and it should not have been unexpected. He should have been aware of this fulfillment of prophecy, the very declaration from the Word of God, and we'll get there in a second. But he expected a salvation by the keeping of the law. He thought, somehow, I, I don't commit adultery. I haven't murdered anybody, so I'm, I'm going to go to heaven and Jesus says, no, first of all, he, he doesn't know the heart of the law, such as the very commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. And Jesus says, you've heard it, the commandment, but I say, if you look upon a woman in lust, you commit adultery in your heart. He goes to the very heart of the law. And so Nicodemus, he's thinking that he can be saved by somehow keeping this law, because he is a sinner. He cannot keep the law of God. Not Perfectly the way Christ is commanded. He thought perhaps because he was a child of Abraham that he would be saved, he is one of the covenant people, he is of the covenant chosen of God, that he will have access to the eternal heavens before the very throne of God. A spiritual birth for Nicodemus was unexpected to him, it was unexpected to the other Pharisees. He didn't understand, he didn't realize when he should have as I'll go to in a minute. In the 1700s, here in America, a great preacher came on the scene, a preacher by the name of George Whitefield. He came preaching a doctrine that seemed very strange and foreign, and the people in America hadn't hardly heard this before. What was that? It was the very doctrine of the new birth. All their sinners need to be born again by the Spirit of God. And what happens as a result? The great awakening begins to follow after that as the spark of the Holy Spirit begins to convict and to convert. And we see new birth, even at the proclamation of new birth. The new birth was prophesied back in Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I'll put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What man can take their own stony, cold heart, rip it out and insert a heart of flesh that's on fire for God? Sinful man cannot do so. It requires a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. But the new birth was prophesied in Ezekiel. Here he spoke about being cleansed by water and the Spirit. Now, it could be also referenced to a physical and spiritual birth. Now, the Greek construction speaks better of the cleansing mentioned in Ezekiel. We see the parallel structure in John chapter 3, verses 3 and verse 5, where born again is parallel to being born of water and the Spirit. So, born of water could very simply be born physically, where then the other is spiritual birth. So the new birth is not a new teaching. And so Jesus tells them in verse 7 of chapter 3 of John, he says, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And it literally is like this, stop being amazed. He says, quit marveling over this. That's actually the expression of the language. Stop being amazed. This shouldn't be new information for you. You're a teacher of Israel. You should know these things. The need for new birth was revealed in the Old Testament. Nicodemus and the Pharisees, they should have known. But the new birth is a work of God's Spirit in verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. We don't control the Spirit. The Spirit of God is God, and He will come, and He will regenerate the heart in accordance with His will, His timing, and His grace, His grace, even as God says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will harden whom I will harden. But the new birth is a work of God's Spirit. He moves by His own power, and He regenerates the human heart. And regeneration is just another word for new birth, born again. Okay, to regenerate the human heart. It is not by the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but by God. According to Romans, that Paul the Apostle penned for us by the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Man cannot regenerate a heart. We can't change our own hearts, nor can he be manipulated. Okay, we cannot manipulate the Holy Spirit ourselves. We can't manipulate God. Therefore, it is purely a work of God's grace. God's grace, not according to the will of man, not according to the will of the flesh, but according to God done by God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. No boasting if it's a gift from God. No saying, look at the works that I have done, when it is by God's grace. The new birth or regeneration is the cause of conversion. The Holy Spirit regenerates the heart and then the sinner can and the sinner is able to repent and believe and there's no other way around. R.A. Webb, the great preacher and theologian said, the Holy Spirit acts in regeneration and as a consequence of the human spirit acts in conversion. So we see that the new birth is a work of the Holy Spirit of God But how has the new birth been accomplished? It is rooted in the crucifixion and the resurrection and ascension of Christ. So let's look at it real quickly, very quickly, we're running out of time. Verses 9 through 15, we see the means of the new birth. Now here in our text, this is not a rebuke of Nicodemus by Jesus, as only Christ can speak authoritatively on heavenly things. And in this case, he speaks of the new birth. Christ was lifted high, which refers to the passage in Numbers 21, verse 8. After a constant grumbling of Israel, God told Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. And people received new physical life by looking at the serpent and living. People received new eternal life by looking in faith to Christ Yes, it must be regenerated. Regeneration immediately leads to repentance and faith. Conversion consists of repentance and faith. If there is no repentance, there is no faith, because a true faith is repenting. But a person's faith must be in God. It is not a faith in faith. Faith must have God as its object. It is not a faith in, in some kind of uh, abstract but it is a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as he answers prayer. Now we have the power of prayer, and many people speak about that. But it is not power of prayer, it is the power of the one who we are praying to. It is the Lord God himself, it is the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. But he says here that Christ lifted up, he must be lifted up, which refers to his crucifixion. And I'll go ahead and respond very quickly here. These things, regeneration, entering the kingdom, they can only happen through the lifting up of the Son of Man. The human response to the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit is believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ, believing upon Him, trusting, clinging to Christ alone. Have you experienced the new birth? Cry out unto Almighty God for the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit in your heart that you might have new life. God bless you. Join us next week. Thank you for joining us today for By Grace Alone, a ministry of the Antioch Presbyterian Church, located 2306 Old Smithfield Road in Goldsboro. For additional information, you may call 919-735-3623 or visit us online at www.antiochpca-goldsboro.com. Join us again next week for By Grace Alone with Pastor Kelly Buffalo.